and welcome to the Jewish Boston and Israel 360 podcast. I'm your co-host, Miriam Anzavin, and I'm joined by Dan Seligson. Hi, Dan. Hey, Miriam. I'm wicked excited to be here. Good. Today, we're speaking with two Israelis here in Boston. Guy Ben-Aharon is the producing artistic director and founder of Israeli Stage. The mission of Israeli Stage is to share the diversity and vitality of Israeli culture through theater. Israeli Stage has hosted over five Israeli artists and residents, and we're thrilled to have with us the current artist in residence, Natalie Zuckerman. Natalie is an independent performance artist. Her work combines devised theater, live art, dance, and autobiographical materials. In her works, she deals with the notion of identity and disability. During her residency here in the Boston area, she'll be performing at various locations, including Tufts University, Emerson College, and Berklee College of Music. Before we get into our discussion, I want to encourage all of our listeners out there to follow at Jewish Boston and at Israel360 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and make sure to subscribe to this podcast for more of our great conversations. Guy and Natalie, thank you so much for joining us here today. Thank you for having us. Yeah, I'm very grateful to have the time with you. Can you tell us a little about your personal history, as it's such an important and critical part of your work? Um, well, first of all, I'm from Israel, raised and born there. Um, I'm 39 now, almost 40 in the summer. Um, and I think what's relevant for my story is the fact that I was injured when I was 12. I had a, a, an accident in the scouts and I broke a vertebra in my back, L1. Um, I was hospitalized for about six months. And then I was paralyzed and I had to learn to walk again. And since then, I've got a, a disability have a disability um if i need to explain my disabilities uh, on the surface it looks like i have a limp i limp and that's kind of what people would see but actually the idea is that i can't really trust my own legs because i have um uh, um my injury was in my back and not my legs actually so when i want to take a step or do any action with my legs i have to really think about it and and uh, it's quite a it takes a lot of me Mm -hmm. I love concentrations and get really tired quite easily. And so it's quite a big thing in my life. You explained it was something almost like a like a stutter. Like yeah. you really need to think about, I'm going to put this foot. Yeah, I always have to think other. about the action that I do for my legs. Yeah. Definitely, yeah. So uh, I watched uh, videos of some of your work so far. It's amazing. And there Thank were a couple you. themes that uh, you have in your work uh one is overcoming the other i'm calling othering i think that's a term that you use for one of your yeah. one of your performances and overcoming is uh it's a theme that i think the media loves when they cover the issue of of disability um there's a tendency to cover it as this person is going to get from where they currently are to this place but for a lot of people disability is it's just where it's it's just you. I mean, it's just who you are, and and how do you kind of deal with this this issue of this need to hear about an overcoming story? I think what's really interesting is I don't look at this show or about my disability as overcoming at all. Um, I really don't like those stereotypes of the hero, you know, that you manage and you prevail all obstacles. Actually, I hate it, um, and I don't think that that's what I'm doing in my show. I actually trying to. Um, to give the audience some kind of experience of what it means to live in a body of a disabled woman, in my case, and 
they have to think about their own reactions to it, how they feel about it, what it means to them, how they would react in front of a disabled person. Would they want to help him? Would they not? So it's much more about the actual everyday life of a person with a disability than to say anything about I prevailed, I, I overcame. It's completely not that. I'm not going that way at all. In my presentation, that well, while I'm here, I'm talking about that I believe that when you have a disability, you need to deal with it. You need to talk about it and you need to share it with the world because the world needs to start looking at disabled people and realize that they're here. They, they can, you know, stay in their own homes because they're the most accommodated for their needs. They have to, like, be in the public sphere. The, the public sphere needs to start addressing issues about disability. So that's why I think it's important to talk about it and to talk about, you know, the position that I got in, that I can talk about it. But I managed to start talking about it only when I was 34. But it doesn't mean that, you know, I'm okay with it now and it's, you know, it's all over and I'm coming to say, you know, I know everything. It's actually the opposite. It's about my process and I'm in the middle of the process. And I don't think it will ever, ever go away because I have the eye of the audience, the eye of the, you know, society in my head because I was raised as, you're not disabled. And, you know, that was kind of the point of view that I always adapted to myself. And when I realized that I am and I've been excluded for so many activities and so many times, I'm like, wait, we need to talk about it. We need to put it and kind of put it like to society so people will be able to deal with it and start doing something about it. I don't feel it's anything about overcoming. Yeah, and I also feel like there there's a perception. If you say, and you held up a sign in one of the videos where uh, right at the beginning, you hold up a sign that says, this is not, is this what disability looks like or something very close to yeah. that. And, and there is a perception among people that if, if I say the word disability, you have a, a preconceived notion of what that looks like yeah. or what it sounds like uh, or what someone can't do. Um, this is something that I think you called othering, where you have, we have created a, a stereotype in our minds of what, what a disabled person looks like. So you're a person who is living with a disability that people don't initially see. You said it looks like a, a limp to people, but it is, it's much more complex yeah. than that. Um, so this is, a, I think, you know, from what I saw, this is a real challenge to the audience to wrap their brain around this concept. But you've lived with it since age 12. And how do you deal with the othering that you face in the world? You know, it took me a long time to understand that actually everyone has excluded me from you know activities or different things and I always felt other but in a sense you know I'm a woman uh, I'm an artist um, many things that made me feel other and but I think my disability it took me for a very long time to understand you know even like in high school for example um, I was like, you know, I can't really join into the high school trips. And everyone was like, yes, of course, if you can, that's fine. And I felt, you know, they really saw me that, because I said I can't. But actually, it meant that I was completely not taking part in any of the activities in school. So only later on, I realized that meant that I was othering, you know, that I was the other that never took part. And it took me a long time to say, well, I need to start taking part. And it's not just my responsibility, it's your responsibility also to help me be part of society. So I think the show really talks about that. 
Um, and also I try to, because I pass as a non-disabled person, as an able person. Um, so in the show, I wanted to show people how disability looks like. And there is a part of the show, which I think it's very powerful, when I um, just putting my pants on. And it takes me about 10 minutes to do it. Something that, you know, most people would do in like two seconds. And uh, it came from the idea, you know, in films, when you see this guy comes out of his like bed in the morning and he jumps into his trousers and just like, you know, that's always a really cool music, the background. And I would think to myself, oh my God, that takes me ages if I had to do that. So putting that on stage and you can really see people while I'm doing it being like, should I help her? Should I not? And they, they become one with me. They, they're actually, some people said to me that they feel pain when they see me try to put my pants on. They actually feel, you know, the pain uh, in themselves. So I think it's an interesting um, moment when everyone, for just even a second, feels what it means to be in someone else's shoes. And there, there's a video I saw in Hebrew where you're talking about how you want to be a ballet dancer. Yeah. Um, and it shows you stretching. And it's really challenging to watch. I mean, it's amazing, but it's really challenging to watch as a person who, you know, you don't, you really actually begin to understand what you're going through. Yeah. You're, I mean, for people who haven't seen it, uh, when you're stretching, your feet are shaking a lot and you're, it looks like you're struggling to get your arms to where your feet are. And yet, yeah. at the same time, you're talking about the grace and, you know, your desire to be a graceful ballerina. And it was just amazing. Thank you. But I think also for me, it's the beauty of the shivering, mm -hmm. of the trembling. All of a sudden, it's a new choreography and it's a beautiful choreography. And actually, you know, it's need to be shown on stage. We need to see that, you know, movement, beautiful movement isn't just a perfect movement, but you can find perfection in many other things, even when we don't perceive them straight away as perfection. And it's far more relatable. Yes, definitely. Than watching... You know, of course, most yeah, people, you know, probably can't do it, but they can do it only in their way. And therefore, that's what what makes them unique. I, I when I watched the video, I was struck by what I felt was an intentionality towards it. Like, yes, your your legs were shaking, but there was something almost like a hummingbird's wings to it. Mm -hmm. And there was some artistic of an artistic quality that you had imbued into these movements. So it wasn't just a, a struggle. It was a thing of beauty in its own right. And I oh, thought that was you. really remarkable. Thank you. Um, so I'm really interested to hear what your thoughts are about the differences between American society and Israeli society on the subject of disability. Um, here in the States, we have a goal of improving access for people who have different challenges, um, but inclusion is elusive. Um, what are some of the uh, interesting um differences or similarities that you've noticed between American and Israeli society? I will start by saying them only here a week. Okay. So that's maybe in a short time. <laughs> Little um, quick observations. I think that the, the answer is actually in the question you were saying, we have this goal. Mm -hmm. You have a goal. Yeah. Um, in Israel, we might have it, but I think it's it, it's not like a national goal. It's, right. it's something for the organization that are in, you know, interested in this specific subject. So in that sense, you talk about uh, disability culture. It's a, you know, it's a term that people know here. Mm -hmm. In Hebrew, we don't have this kind of terms or we have only one word for disability. Um, even as an artist, when I say I'm a disabled artist, people are a bit like, what is it? Is that a term? 
is that a category people don't even know what it means mm. and then I have to go and explain what it means so we're we're further away f- from America for you know again for a week that I'm here um, but I think in order to change things it needs to start with education um, and I know a bit about your education system and I know um, there are programs mm-hmm. of, uh, of inclusion mm-hmm. and in Israel then there isn't anything that is official you can do in high, I'm also a teacher so I can you know make something uh, if I want to work with a group of, of disabled artists or disabled kids I can do that but it's no, nothing official mm-hmm. and I wish the Israeli government uh, would have really put that into you know being one of their main um, ideas but you know, we have many problems. So yeah. this is like <laughs> at the bottom of the, of we, the scale. We do too, yes. But um, yes. More by the day. Right, every yeah. single day there's more. Um, in your show, you ask the audience um, a lot of questions, but they don't answer. How do you create this dialogue about what for a lot of people is a very challenging topic? Um, when I make the work, um, I never... Well, obviously, I'm using my own life story and I'm using myself, but I think all the time about the audience mm-hmm. and their perception and reactions. Um, the show happens where the audience is in the dark. And I think that really helps the audience because they 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 know me, but then they have time to reflect and I don't see them. It's like I see their faces. So when I um, put the signs on, and those signs are sentences that I've been hearing all of my life since I was 12. Uh, and trust me, it's about, I can hear them at least once a week, most of them. So I think when people see it, it's hard for them. And I, I know that from reaction that I got from the audience because they're like, do you want me to feel sorry for you? Do you want me to help you or not? But I, I want them to be uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. I want them to, on one hand, be like, oh, it's exactly what I just thought. Oh, she knows that that's what I'm thinking about. But at the same time, I want them to feel comfortable to really reflect for themselves. So that's one that's one way that I'm doing it. The second one is, like I said before, it's about me actually doing the action. And because it's so painful, it's hard for them to watch and they become one with me. So they're kind of mm-hmm. like entering my world. And also I in the show, the show is actually an hour and 20 minutes long. And I ask people to help me in many things on stage to uh, even just to pick up the signs that falling off or because I and I'm, I'm like, well, I have to go and get undress and dress again. So would you mind just, you know, taking the chair, bringing the, the uh, um, bring the, the sofa, you know, I'm doing all those kind of things. And and all of a sudden they become part of the show and they realize that a disabled person needs help and it's OK to help them. So the. The video I watched, which was a performance, uh, since you've been here a week, it must have been a very recent performance at Brandeis. Yeah. And uh, I was really struck watching it that um, that you're not you're not acting. You are kind of on an exploration of your own identity with the audience. And it's very personal. And it seems like it's um, I'm, I'm really, you know, awed by how much of yourself you're giving the audience. And you start out by really like you undress and show your injury. Yeah. You show it to the audience. What is it like to share the most personal stuff about you with a room full of strangers? Um, I like to talk in real life. I believe that talking is, is the great way of healing. And, you know, talking about yourself is always makes you feel better about yourself. And you kind of learn who you are. So 
so I just try to take the talking and bring it to a new level by using it with an audience. So I guess that's one answer. But the second is, is that um, when I studied acting and directing, I realized there aren't any characters for me because most of the time, maybe now it's it's different, but 20 something years ago, people kept saying to me, you know, you can't do that. You've got a limp. You, your affiliate can't limp, can't limp, you know, different characters can't limp. So in a way I realized, well, I need to make my own work and I need to put myself on stage because if there aren't any characters, you know, well, hey, this is Natalie Zuckerman. Here she is. Um, so I think I kind of, I kind of learned myself, you know, I I taught myself how to do that because I felt that that would be the only way that I would be able to be on stage. So maybe it started from actually when I didn't have a choice, but, um, but I choose what I'm giving and it's not like, I don't feel that people know my life after it. Um, they know a specific part that I decide and I work really hard on how to say it and how to place it and how to write it. Um, but I believe that intimacy is and, and talking is the answer for everything. So that's why I try to make work like that. Um, so this question is for you, Guy. Um, can you give us a little brief summary about your work on Israeli stage and what you're doing here? Sure. Um, so Israeli stage was founded in November 2010. Uh, with a mission to share the diversity and vitality of Israeli culture through theater. Uh, it's the only theater company of its kind in the world. And uh, in the last eight seasons, we've presented American premieres of over 30 Israeli plays, uh, translated from the, in, from the Hebrew to the English. Uh, we've produced them as stage readings, we've produced them as productions, and uh, I think... What makes the company unique is it it doesn't have an end goal. Uh, you know, we're not an Israel advocacy group. Uh, it's it's a group that is in existence for exploration of different perspectives um, and exploring life's difficult questions through an Israeli lens, uh, using Israel as a template, as a hotbed of complexity, of uh, of political conflict of personal conflicts, of identity conflicts, and and presenting them with American artists to an American audience, I think only showcases the shared humanity um, and allows folks, you know, by, by being able to address a problem that's happening in Israel, mm-hmm. we're actually just talking about ourselves. Uh, so uh, whether it's freedom of expression and educational settings in Israel, mm-hmm. A uh, piece we just presented called "The Hearing," uh, or whether it's uh, disability uh, identity in Israel. I think all of these topics, though they're presented in a very Israeli context, are universally themed. So Natalie is, I don't know, is she your first artist in residence, or this is the 2018? This is the the season eight. Yeah. So Natalie is actually our fifth artist in residence. Um, So the in-residence at Israeli stage program is an annual program. Um, We we have brought, uh, Natalie is our very first under 40 uh, artist in residence. Uh, We we brought, uh, uh, for example, Joshua Sobel, Sivion Liebrecht, Gilad Evron, and Hannah Zulay Esfari, and each of them uh, bring their unique perspective to the table. Uh, And the way the in-residence 
program works is it's this kind of dynamic, immersive, three-week-long uh, continuing exploration of, of a question that they would like to address. Uh, so last year's was how theater can be a form of resistance. Uh, <laughs> unfortunately, all too timely. <laughs> we mm. didn't know it when programming. Um, it may ultimately be a performer <laughs> who actually is the most effective <laughs> form of resistance yet. We'll wait and see. <laughs> I'm not talking about necessarily Stormy Daniels, but I might be. <laughs> um, uh, y- I you threw know. you off your game. Let, let me, let <laughs> you didn't me. throw. Uh, no, it's it's interesting. <laughs> I, you know, we just talked recently um, as a company about whether we have a political identity or not, or a religious affiliation or not, and uh, we we came up with a, a sentence that says Israeli stage has no political or religious affiliation, we welcome everybody at the table. Um, Like Natalie said, we believe that uh, good will come out of talking it out. So actually following every single one of Natalie's engagements is a dialogue session. So after the Brandeis performance that you saw recorded online, uh, we also recorded the dialogue with students with professors and faculty and, and members of the, you know, Boston community who came to engage with this topic and then either ask question or just share what's going on with for them, uh, how they relate to it. And it's really powerful uh, to just create a space for people to, to be able to explore this question of inclusion together. We can't uh, pretend to have the answer, so better the, of two heads than one. Mm-hmm. So how did you guys uh, find each other? <laughs> it's another Natalie. It takes two Natalies to make one. Um, Natalie Feinstein, who's our in-house translator, is uh, probably my first phone call when I land in Israel for an exploration trip to go see uh, new plays and performances. And Natalie Feinstein said, you got to go meet and see Natalie Zuckerman's work. And I went to see Practice Makes Perfect. It was a bit over two years ago. Um, And I just fell in love. Uh, I saw a really interesting dynamic young voice who is presenting uh, a story in a really open way and in a really artistic way. Um, there was, a, there was a, a value to the aesthetic and there was a real value to how open the story was. You could, you could see that Natalie's work is based on the audience um, and their experience of, of her story. And what's the, uh, what's the workload like these next three weeks or I guess two weeks now? Natalie, have you ever uh, <laughs> had anything so like this life? before? No. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, it's it's incredible. You know, the in-residence program every year is built on partnerships. This year it's built on over 10 partners. Uh, we have 10 presenting partners. So Natalie's story is going to be shared within these communities, uh, be it universities, high schools, uh, communities of faith. Uh, at each one, uh, she'll be doing a presentation and a dialogue following. Uh, and then the other thing that's happening simultaneously as Natalie is doing these presentations is we're uh, developing a brand new play, a brand new performance piece. We're devising a piece called The Othering Project, mm. uh, which explores the experience of othering through Natalie's lens and through the lens of um, Neil Naser who's a local actor um, who 
whose father is from Djibouti and his mother is French and he grew up French and he's an immigrant to the United States and he has a, a perceived identity from the outside. Uh, and his experience of coming here pretty recently uh, around the time of 9-11 mm-hmm. and what that was like for wow. being perceived as an Arab or a Muslim during that time. Uh, so it's conversations between the two of them um, about their otherness and about their passing and about their life ultimately. Um, and so we're, we're really grateful to be able to share that on April 9th at Bunker Hill Community College. Great. Um, so how can we learn more about Israeli Stage? What website should we go to? <laughs> www.israelistage.com Are you guys on Facebook? We are on Facebook and on Twitter. <laughs> Wonderful. Great. I want to thank you both so much for doing this with us uh, on really short notice, and we um, we really look forward to seeing you on stage. Hopefully, if not, uh, we will share links to the videos so that people can see what we're talking about. And uh, just best of luck with the next two weeks. Thank I you. hope Guy doesn't. <laughs> we're also taking her to wonderful, wonderful restaurants, wonderful restaurants and, uh, and trips. Great. And okay. Been treated really, really well. Good. Wonderful. Thank you.